This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. All gas, no brakes. No waiting around. Seattle Sports at Night right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. Thank you so much for stopping by. We got a packed house tonight. We got the entire crew here. I'm Rolling Curtis deep. Rogers. Finally. That, that's Stacy Ross. That's the voice of Jake Heaps. We are back together again. It's been so long. These times are few and far between, it feels like. But, guys, we're back. We're live. We're ready. I really I'm, hope I'm that, hyped. Yeah, I really hope Jake hasn't been listening to all oh. of the Well, this is about to get podcast. awkward because I have. No! And, no! Um, no! Yeah, no. I, I've heard the shots fired. Oh. And you want to know what? I do not appreciate it. <laughs> oh, no. And, I knew this uh, would happen. <laughs> we were really hoping there would be thought, some family time, and you wouldn't you wouldn't be listening to us. Yeah, oh I mean, no, no, because I care about I care me. about my guys. I care about I care about my friends here that I thought were so close to me, and yet you guys are just <laughs> taking shots left and right at my expense. Even the last two days when I was uh, doing the morning show, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was a little disappointing, but. You know, I am quick to forgive. I love you guys. I'm glad to be back. And uh, let's get this thing rolling. I just want you to know that I I printed out the show sheets today. and <laughs> You did. And, uh, and color coordinated them. So, so I you. think I've worked a little bit to get back in your good graces. Curtis, you still have some work to do. I, but I was <laughs> Do you see the bus up, go by? I, I just did. threw you I, under You did. It. And, like, there's nothing I could do about it because I was nope. busy doing the post game. You want to know what this is like? This is like Adam Rank's diss to Matt Flynn on Twitter. <laughs> oh, man. And Matt Flynn we shots back at yeah, him. Yeah, he's like, whoa, dude, what the heck, man? We were getting so confident. We were like, I'm Jake. I'm on vacation. And the minute Jake comes in, we're like, hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey. I'm Jake. You I've got all this sun? insider <laughs> info. Uh, we should find our clips during a break and then just start intro. Oh, them. yeah. <laughs> Make a montage. We were awful. But, Jake, we are so glad to have you we back. We are. Because that just means less talking for Stacey and I to do. And There you go. Yeah. So we're just spreading the wealth around. Uh, lots to get to today, though, as the Seahawks, they're making hay as OTAs have begun. But that is kind of a footnote to what went on down at the VMAX. So let's, let's get it out of the way right now. Let's take a look at what is on the timeline here on this Wednesday night. And... I mean, it was a long press conference today. We're it, talking like thirty-five minutes. It was. How did you? How did you do sitting in there, Stacey? You were you My were our Seahawks insider. Did you have to stand up at all to get the blood flow back into your legs? No, no, I was okay. I, I was swinging my my legs, doing some some stretches. Uh, Jasmine was sitting next to me, so I had someone to talk very quietly to during during quiet moments. Whisper yeah. and, and make side comments at, at things that were yep. said on stage. Yep. <laughs> no. I know your brand. You know, that's not actually I've been in longer press conferences. That's hard to believe because the Russell Wilson really? John it was Schneider thirty five minutes? Yeah, it was a long one. I guess it didn't feel that long. How how I was, was just it? Having how was so the, much fun. How was the vibe in there? How what was the environment like? Uh it was I I think it was a good one. Um what you couldn't see on camera was uh, a ton of Seahawks teammates uh, in the in the rows behind us that were there supporting him. Bobby Wagner, all of the linemen, um, lots of folks in there. Uh, the rest of the Seahawks organization, lots of behind the scenes people were there. So it was a pretty packed house. Um, but yeah, I think I mean Russell had his family there. It was a very 
John Schneider mentioned something like we didn't really get this moment for him because he was a third round pick and it really felt like that. It felt like those those moments you see when when especially baseball teams bring in that big star and they have a press conference and it's this kind of celebratory moment. It felt like that kind of thing that Wilson never really got to have. So uh so yeah, I mean I it really didn't feel like 35 minutes and there was lots of interesting, you know, questions from uh from reporters for both Pete and John who were in there, so Lots of stuff to take away from it. And it, what's weird is that they didn't give him a press conference after his first extension that he signed back in 2015, which yeah. you'd think well, you know, that was press conference worthy. Well, I guess. the thing is that that happened the day before training camp. That's true. So I think that they did this because um, it. a couple other reporters mentioned that too. I think Bob mentioned that this is the first press conference he could think of besides uh, Sherm. And was it Doug? Yeah. It might have had an early one. Just because when, when Russell did that in 2015, he came in the next day. Yeah. It, and we it, were talking to him. All, all business from that point on, for sure. And uh, I, I would say that this is really a marquee moment for Russell. The, the first deal was amazing. Uh, it was a big deal to him, obviously, being a third-round pick. Uh, you know, kind of being a bargain deal and now being able to be in that upper echelon in terms of getting paid, but now to be the number the number one player in terms of average uh, annual salary and in terms of guarantees means a lot to him. Uh, and uh, it's really the first real solidifying thing for him in this future, heading into his 30s, that he is viewed as the franchise, the marquee player in this organization and further empowers him to continue to spread his influence on this locker room in a positive way. And so I think this is a really uh, huge moment for the franchise, uh, for the player, and hopefully it spells a lot of success for the Seahawks here in the next four years. And for the Seahawks front office, it checks off the biggest question mark of this offseason. What are you going to do with Russell Wilson beyond 2019? Well, now we know. Four years, $140 million, 65 that of a signing bonus. Also today, around 5 p.m., the NFL schedules were released, and this is a big day for social media teams out there, uh, for them to flex their <laughs> they muscle. They were great. Did you see the Chargers? I did, where they used stock imagery. It was so funny. Just basic. And then uh, I believe the Atlanta Falcons had a Game of Thrones-themed one. Okay. Uh, the Seahawks went with old-school so video games. Yeah. <laughs> So, Too rich for my blood. Yeah, stock photo. Shout out to the Chargers. They're yeah. a team that that runs things on the cheap there, and you know, <laughs> so they, very they, very <laughs> themed. Yeah, so they went with stock imagery. But you look at the NFL schedule. A lot of big time games. Patriots being the defending Super Bowl champion, they will not open the season uh, in that Thursday night slot. It'll be Bears Packers to celebrate the NFL's 100th anniversary. But the Seahawks, they will open their regular season at home for the first time since 2016 and five primetime games, including four straight from weeks 10 through 14. There's a bye in that stretch as well. But you look at the Seahawks schedule, we're going to take a deeper dive into that coming up in about 20 minutes or so. I'm excited. I mean, this is kind of the very first, like, to me, this signals like, oh, man, like football is just around the corner. Mm -hmm. Now we know what the road lies ahead for the Seahawks. Yeah, no, for sure. I I can't wait to break it down. And uh, I think there's a couple changes. You mentioned the the home game for the first week, and we'll get into this. But um, I feel like it's been a while since they've had both a late buy and a home opener. And uh, I was... 
kind of excited to see both. I don't know. I really like covering in person. It's just a fun change of pace. And yeah. I know that sometimes people complain about it, but I'm not at that point in my career when I'm complaining about it yet. I still <laughs> I still really like covering You're in person. You're not the Jim Moore? No, no. I'm still it's still fun to cover in person. So I was excited to see that. Uh, opening at home against the Bengals. Yeah, there's a couple really exciting matchups. Uh, right from the get-go, you're going to find out a lot about this team when you're facing uh, the Steelers, uh, who have a very talented offensive unit, who are you know still rebuilding their group, but they've got uh, a legitimate chance to get to the playoffs next year. And the New Orleans Saints, uh, y- again, those are two marquee yeah, franchises. Yeah, uh, And, and uh, so it's exciting. It's exciting to get this thing rolling. And like you said, Curtis, this is kind of like the signifier that, that the season's around the corner. you got the draft, and then you got OTAs, and you're about a month away from uh, training camp. So this thing happens quick. Jake, what I want to know from you, being a former player, is schedule reveal day as big of a deal to the players Heck as no. it is to the fans? They I kind of figured that. They don't care. This is this, this stuff to them, it doesn't matter. It's, it's line up, let's play. Yeah. When an initial comes out, when you're finding out what teams you're going to play, that's exciting. That's cool. Um, like it, you might have friends that you went to school with that are on another team. Correct. And so, you know, you might hit each other up and say, hey, you know, going to have a chance to see you and, and those types of things. But to, to get the official schedule release, uh, no, they don't really care too much. And, uh, yeah, this is a interesting time of year for a lot of different players. Draft time, uh, because you got a lot of players that are beginning their journey, and you have a lot of players that are going to end up getting cut uh, once players are getting drafted. So, very uh, pins and needle moment if you're already in the league and kind of on that bubble on the roster. Five games for the Seahawks against playoff teams from last year: the Rams twice at home against the Ravens, at home against the Saints, at the Eagles. Uh, like I said, and coming up in about 20 minutes or so, we're going to take a look at the schedule. What are the games that stand out to us? Which ones are we circling on our calendars? Including the four 10 a.m. starts, which I can't remember the last time the Seahawks have had that many early games on their schedule. That's coming up. Mariners today, though, dropped their sixth game in a row, one to nothing to Cleveland. It wasn't all bad, though. Eric Swanson going a full six innings in his Major League starting debut, only allowing two hits, one run, striking out five. The Mariners, they've hit this wall right now. Is it due to facing good pitching, or is it because maybe their bats are cooling off? What is it? Why have they sort of slowed down and and paused this hot streak? We'll start off the second hour tonight uh, looking at what has caused this the slowdown. Yeah, they call I, it for the I, I think the big thing that you can point to is that absolutely that they face really good starting pitching. That's to me the number one thing that they've. You know, at the beginning, they were able to get some teams off the bat that were struggling. I know the Red Sox are a really good team, but they they struggled. They struggled early on, and um, uh, so I, this isn't really a surprise to me. You were hoping that they were able to overcome that this this streak that they were on, uh, this fun ride that they were on in terms of hitting and, and winning games that. Uh, it was more than just uh, uh, just a, a great quick start. And we'll see if they're able to bounce this back. But getting into this six-game skid obviously is not a good thing. And we'll see if they can bounce out of it sooner rather than later. I think it's still a, a mixed bag, too. I was expecting the Mariners to have a bigger challenge with uh, the Astros and the Indians. But I think I would have predicted if you would have asked me to, you know, do they split? Do they win one? Um, I would not predict a sweep. Uh, back to back teams. sweeps. Back to back sweeps. I think I would have expected them to to split with Cleveland and and at least get a win against the Astros. And you're playing at home, so so yeah, I think that still was surprising to me. Yeah, definitely surprising. There, they've lost six in a row, and just as 
maybe not as surprising, but the Astros coming on as strong as they have. They've won 10 in a row going for win number 11 tonight against the Oakland A's. You don't want if you if you're hoping that the Mariners contend this season, you're hoping that the A, the Astros don't start to run away with it already in April, especially considering the lead that the Mariners had built up for themselves over the season's first two weeks. But uh, coming up next here on Seattle Sports at Night, Russell Wilson, he spoke with the media for the first time since putting pen to paper on his new mega deal. So what are our takeaways from what he told the media in attendance at the VMAC today? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps right here. Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into Seattle Sports at Night. You can listen to Seattle Sports Night via the 710 Sports app, driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers, Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacey Ross, the quarterback Jake Heaps. We are all here. We are all live. It's real. It's lit. It's yeah. it's Wednesday. What else is it? It's. I mean, it's a great day to be back. That's what I know. Yeah, absolutely. Jake's back. And really, it's just Wednesday for me and Curtis. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not thinking of much else to add. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I got coffee today. I got pretty good parking outside. I mean, it's a good day, yeah. right? It is. The three of us are together. There was another power trio in town that was together today: John Schneider, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson. At Seahawks headquarters, not necessarily introducing Russell Wilson, but just announcing officially with the pomp and circumstance. Formally announcing that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have agreed to a four-year contract extension, which will take him through his, what, year 35 season? Yeah, 2023. So he'll be turning 35. Yeah, so it's wild to think of Russell Wilson being 35 years old. I kind of still envision him as that. You know, 23, 24-year-old guy. I start getting nervous because he's a year older than me. So the oh. minute I hear that, I'm like, no, 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 but that's not soon, you guys. It's a long ways away. Yeah, 35 is a long Th- ways thanks away. Thanks for teeing that up, Curtis. That was nice of you. No problem. No problem. Yep. But uh, the Seahawks signing Wilson to the four-year contract extension just a couple of days ago, making Wilson the league's highest-paid player. Today, he spoke to the media at Seahawks headquarters, flanked alongside with John Schneider and Pete Carroll And, I mean, these guys have given the Seahawks organization, all three of them have contributed to the greatest years in this franchise's history. And today, I think, more than anything, signaled a continuation of that, that they weren't ready to pull the plug on everything they've built here and everything that they have set in stone and put in motion because Russell Wilson is as important to the Seahawks' success as anybody that has come through these doors. Maybe the most important player in terms of what he brings to that offense. He's the best quarterback in franchise history. Maybe you know everything that he did during those Super Bowl years, everything that he's continuing to do now. And we saw what a couple of years ago when he accounted for what like ninety eight percent of the team's touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine a world in which Russell Wilson's wearing a different uniform, and we're not going to have to imagine that over the next four years. For sure, and it it got to a point where that became a potential real reality. uh, Of This deal definitely went down to the wire, and I know it wasn't an easy negotiation. I know that both sides wanted to be here. Yes, I said both sides wanted to make this happen. Uh, And Russell, despite all of the... uh, 
speculation that was out there. He wanted to be here in Seattle. That was one thing that uh, I think was hard for him to hear. I think was was hard to listen myself was, you know, the talk about New York, constantly New York. He wants to go to New York, this and that. And uh, and it kind of stemmed from Colin Coward, right, uh, saying that with Russell and Sierra. Well, that's and the how thing. He was meant. tying it, and that was a little. Right. And so since that comment, everything was about New York and getting yeah. to a bigger media market and all those things. And uh, Russell has legitimately built his life on the West Coast. His, you know, he lives uh, down in the L.A. area. He's got a house here. His, you know, kids go to school uh, on the West Coast. His his uh, his mom lives here. He's mentioned his, his sister. Being yeah, his a sister at Stanford. Yep, and uh, and so th- this whole thing has has moved here. He's got his west to east office here in Seattle. I mean, so there's a lot that's tied in and a lot of desire to be here uh, to make it work. And ultimately, uh, they were able to do that, which which is a great thing for everybody. Yeah, here's what Russ said about Seattle being home to him and his wife. You know, Seattle's home for us. I and mean, we, we, we do everything out of here. We got, uh, get to work with some amazing people. We get to get to win a lot of football games, the fans. I mean, this is the 12s in general, just uh, everywhere we go and just the energy that we get to share in, in, in CenturyLink. Uh, it's a special place, and, uh, you know, I wanted to be here, so... That was the that was our, our first priority is to make sure hey we do everything we can to be in Seattle and and make sure it's right but also make sure that it's you know we, we try to do something where it's uh, it can take us the distance here. One thing I've noticed about Seahawks past and present is that more than I think the Mariners or Sonics in the past, this is a, a this is a city that so many guys will continue to call home long after their playing days. And I think Russell Wilson after he's done playing football. I think he'll continue to have a presence in this town. Without so, a doubt. And I, I think for him to, to also commit to this deal, I think that further reinforces that. Yes, for sure. And, and one of the things that I know was a big sticking point was the year two, year three guaranteed salaries. And when this contract came out and, and kind of the details of it haven't fully been disclosed, but uh, we're in a pretty good understanding that there wasn't uh, year two, year three total guarantees that it starts becoming rolling guarantees and the way that they were able to overcome that on both sides was through the signing bonus, the $65 million signing bonus. So when you talk about both sides trying to make this work, the Seahawks were, were willing to make him uh, with the $35 million mark, the highest paid player per year or on average salary, mm-hmm. the highest guarantees total and they were able to still maintain their structure because Russell was a, was willing to concede to that because of that big signing bonus, and that made it easier and less of a sticking point. So uh, I'm glad that both sides, this is a win-win deal for both Russell and for the Seahawks, and to me that's the exciting part is that both sides win. This isn't a, a, a contract that holds the Seahawks hostage, um, and the Seahawks can manipulate, can move, uh, and still do things after this contract, especially in the years to come. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the reaction that I saw initially, um, at least when we published the story, uh, so this is just from fans or readers, were, oh my gosh, I can't believe they paid them that much. And they almost think that like Russell held the team hostage. And you you don't really want to write for comments and, and then respond to them and then write separately. But um, I think that it is a bit misguided because this is the type of contract that uh, any top five quarterback is going to be facing. This is the type of, you know, what's the money that Patrick Mahomes is going to get or Carson Wentz when, when his deal is up. So these are contracts that 
that aren't rare. This isn't, uh, you know, a quarterback taking over an organization. So I think that Mm -hmm. that's a little misguided in the first place. And I think most of the people um, covering this team, Jake, I know you mentioned it too, that that 35 million number was kind of always in play. It was never highly exceeding that. Um, I think that, that that being said, the language that they used at the press conference felt very intentional to me. And I know that when you um, are a player or or even a general manager and a coach, you try not to pay too much attention to a lot of the coverage of you and your team um, because I'm sure it's not easy. But I think, you know, Jake, going off of what you said, um, I think that it's hard not to let reports and rumors of, of him wanting to leave kind of permeate that. And I think that... He very carefully chose his words today, and and that was really obvious from being there, trying to make it clear that you know I want that I want to leave a good lasting impression. Yeah, I don't want that unceremonious exit. I don't want to look like a selfish person. I want to be a Derek Jeter. He mentioned yeah. Derek Jeter. Like I, I, you don't want you want the Ichiro send off because you've done so much. You don't mm-hmm. want. Um, to leave a bad taste in someone's mouth with with how things ended. And I think he's very aware of that. Well, and he was getting compared to names like Clay Bennett, A-Rod, uh, Howard By Schultz. People on this station, right. unbelievably. Yeah, Tom you know, so... Name you know, so <laughs> By Tom! You know, there, there's, 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 there's those situations where uh, I think it was very, very important for that to be the case. And now you set it up where... You have Russell for his 30s and to 35, and if everything is going well, the reality is is that there's a really good chance that he stays a Seahawk forever. Uh, at this point in time, you lock him up for those years, there's a really good chance he stays a lifer instead of walking away at some point in his career. And he had mentioned that he wants to play until he's 43, by the way. So <laughs> that was another interesting nugget. And Russ today asked what was the most important aspect of this deal, and he said he wanted to know where his future was going to be. I just turned 30 years old, and I think the next 10 years of my life, you know, the next deal, you know, before we signed this one, the next deal was going to be the place that I really kind of wanted to make sure that, hey, if we're going to be in Seattle or wherever it was going to be, you know, I want to make sure that's going to be where I'm going to be for the next 10, 10 years, hopefully, you know, you know, and just uh, that was kind of my mindset, you know, from 30 to 40. And then, you know, you, you reassess and you add on and everything else. But the, the reality is for the next 10 years, that was kind of a mentality. So I have, have experienced amazing seven so far here. And uh, it's just the beginning, like I said. And, and, and I can't imagine him. It's going to be hard for anybody to leave this organization to match the level of success that they had here. We've seen it time and time again with guys leaving the organization, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas. Uh, Michael Bennett, them trying to match the team success that they had here, and and just not getting anywhere close to it. We, you know, Sherman and his Forty ers they're going to be picking second in what eight days from now. Right, that's a far cry from a, a huge string of NFC West titles, Super Bowl championships. Yeah, when I when I talk to Russell personally through this time frame, if people really want to know why this was such a, an important time from. Okay, it's now, and I know the word never was thrown out there. That's not necessarily true. It's not now or never. It was now until next year and the year after that. It just became more and more difficult as the numbers increased for Seattle to eventually be able to retain him at that point in time when you're going down the franchise tag route. For him, it was really, really important to know where his future was. If it was here in Seattle, hopefully he was doing everything that he could to try and to get this needle moving to make it here in Seattle. If it wasn't in Seattle, he wanted to know as soon as possible. And so I think that's kind of where you see this urgency 
April 15th deadline, wanting to figure this thing out. What position does that put it in? And so that's where it becomes stressful for us as fans, as Seahawks fans, watching this thing unfold. It got a little messy at times, and it was all because of that overall sentiment of wanting to know that he will be in Seattle for years and years to come. Coming up next, we take a look ahead at the Seahawks schedule, the NFL schedule. Which dates are we most looking forward to this upcoming season in 2019? The schedule was released today, so we're going over it next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps, right here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Text DRAFT to 710-710 to receive exclusive Seahawks draft alerts throughout all seven rounds. Listen live all three days of the draft, but especially Thursday and Friday from 3 to 6. Also Saturday... All three of us are going to be involved in the draft coverage. Yeah, Correct. I think we're there. Most Are you there Thursday and Friday? I'm there Saturday. I'm there all three days. Jake, you're there, I believe, all three days as well. Uh, yes, I believe so. I have to check that again, but uh, heavily involved. It'll be exciting. Yeah. Day one, Jake is heavily I involved. I can't wait. It'll be, it'll be really fun. It'll be really fun. Yeah, so join us for our live video stream at 710sports.com throughout every minute of the draft. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's draft. It's 710 710 to stay plugged in. Our coverage of the 2019 NFL draft is brought to you by TSA Jobs. Coming up in about 15 minutes, four down territory, starting off the 8 o'clock hour. So normally we end the 7 o'clock hour with four down territory, but just without things worked out tonight, we're kicking things off with the second hour, four just down territory. It. Exactly. You need a little more attitude, Curtis. Deal Look, with I'm it. I'm telling you how this show is Four going. down territory, no ifs, ands, or buts about it in 15 minutes from now. Seahawks and their schedule, the rest of the NFL, they figure out just how this thing is going to be played out this season. Stacey, you had the idea before the break. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, I'm really feeling like we're all on the same wavelength. During the break, I should say, of which game are we all looking forward to the most on the Seahawks schedule. And... You said on the count of three, we should unveil who it is that we all... Are we going I, after three? So one, two, three, name. Yes, yes okay. I believe so. So don't screw it up. I I don't know. Kurt, Curtis is a wild card to me. I have a Look guess my, about yours. I have a guess. I but feel we'll like see. I'm glaring the name to you. Okay. okay. Ready? Okay. Curtis, count us off. One, two, three. New Saints. Orleans. I said Saints. Whoa. 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 I Whoa. thought your answer was going to be Stacy's answer. How the heck did we get the same answer? I don't Whoa. Know. Whoa. Okay. Okay. So you guys have the New Orleans Saints. Well, because I've been talking about the Browns the entire time Jake and I were talking about free agency. I kept saying how excited I was for the Browns to see uh-huh. what happens. So I did a bit, a bit of intentional misdirection there. Yeah, you I almost that. said the Rams. We almost had three Ooh. different ones. Okay, so why, Curtis, why are Explain, you... Explain, Curtis. Why am I so hot on the Cleveland Browns wagon here for the Seahawks? A couple of things. One, they've been the offseason darlings. You've got Baker Mayfield, who kind of points to Russell Wilson as being sort of a, a mentor of his, or at least somebody who he models his game after. Did go on his show, by the way, the one-year... Yeah, the ESPN ESPN show. show. You've also got Odell Beckham Jr. being added to a locker room full of characters. Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt forming maybe the most talented backfield in the NFL. And then you've got Miles Garrett. And oh, by the way, Russell Wilson has never played in Cleveland before. Mm. So Never? Never. In his seven seasons. No, where did Michael Bennett get that 
That was Cincinnati. Oh, I got he, confused with where the Where he rubbed uh, Andy Dalton's face yep, into yep, the ground. Yep, you're right, you're right. Yeah, so Russell Wilson, he's never played in Cleveland, and he's also never played in Pittsburgh. This year he's going to do both of those within the first six weeks. I've got the Cleveland Browns scheduled or circled on my schedule as the game I'm most looking forward to to see if the Browns are, in fact, real. Because you make these kinds of moves in an off season, you better at least get a playoff berth. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I, I'm with you on that. And it'll be a really fun matchup. That's going to be a, uh, a big test to mm-hmm. our defense. Uh, Cleveland Browns offense is going to be very potent this coming season. And uh, between Baker Mayfield and all the weapons that they have, uh, it'll be a great challenge. And it'll be really fun between Baker and Russell. I know those two will be extremely competitive uh, amongst each other uh, and, and wanting to top one another. So, uh, why, Stacy? I want to. Yeah. Go next. Why? Why do you guys think it's New Orleans, Stacy? Well, why go, do you? I'll go first, and then um, I just I want to go first. <laughs> so I said, so Curtis, the same reason that you mentioned that the Saints will be kind of held up to other teams this year to see how legit they are. I think the Seahawks. Um, I think the the low point for them was obviously that nine and seven season, which really wasn't that far away. I mean, it was a couple of missed kicks away from a wild card. Um, but I think that as they make their return, because the Rams sit atop the division and and are seen as you know kind of the measuring stick, I think in that same way, uh, New Orleans is another really potent offense uh, and another team that. Uh, kind of like the Browns will be compared to other teams. I think the Seahawks have have a point to prove. They they still are making this statement. I think to to a national audience that they're uh, they can be every bit the winning team that they used to be. Now, are you going to be full of all pro defenders? No, but um, I think that if you prove that you can hang with the Rams and you can hang with the Saints. Uh, I would consider that an improvement from last year even. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you look at the schedule and the way it rounds out, and you're, in your first six games, okay, in your first six games, uh, you'd say four out of the six, and the Cincinnati Bengals have always been a decent offense. They've been a nice little offense. Uh, but uh, really four of those six teams that you're facing are legitimate, offensive, uh, productive teams in the league and so this defense is going to get challenged early mm-hmm. um and uh with, with the saints they're one of the most complete teams in the nfl both offensively and defensively and for a while there uh towards the end of the season the defense for new orleans was actually the thing that was bringing this team along and not drew Brees. so uh, i'm excited to watch them play the saints because one drew Brees has been my idol for a long long time a uh, huge Drew Brees fan and can't wait to watch Drew Brees and Russell Wilson duel it out. I know they're close friends as well and respect each other very much. So uh, Russell uh, respecting Drew Brees a heck of a lot uh, and looks up to him. Uh, and, and again, there's between those matchups, Seahawks offense against a very legitimate defense uh, and also the Seahawks young defense being tested by one of the best in the game in Drew Brees and Sean Payton. So uh, that that's going to be a fun matchup, and like we said, in these first six these first six weeks, guys, they are gonna, we are going to know a lot about this team very very quickly. I think it's interesting that none of us pick divisional games, and you look at the primetime games in which the Seahawks have this year. Right. Two of them, both of them are against the Rams, and also another one against the Forty ers So three out of the five primetime games they mm-hmm. have this season are divisional matchups. 
Is that because we kind of have an idea of how the NFC West is going to shake out? Do we still view the Rams? No. It's going to be like the Rams and Seahawks battling for number one and then the 49ers and Cardinals I am still up the expecting rear. that. The 49ers, to me, are still such a wild card just because of the limited time that Jimmy Garoppolo had. And they had a ton of other injuries to yes. other players. So to me, I don't really know what they have. Um, they're going to be you know, having a top pick. Uh, it's It's just... I don't know what to expect from the San Francisco 49ers. They have a chance to be a legitimate team. Like this this yeah. division, if the 49ers can stay healthy, and let's just say they end up getting uh, Joey Bosa in this, uh, they very, very quickly uh, it is a three-headed monster for the you know racing for the top of the division. And um, it's going to be a, a big-time battle. I think maybe the three of us picking uh, these teams is reflective of the fact that uh, you know, it's always fun to see uh, play against teams that you don't normally face. Mm-hmm. And it's not the fact that we're not looking forward to those games because I love our division matchup games. Uh, they're always tough. They're always gritty. Um, and they're entertaining every single time. But, uh, you know, getting the chance to watch Drew Brees and, and that and that attack and getting to watch the Browns and some of these teams, you know, you're, you're playing the uh, Steelers and you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Minnesota-Carolina game I'm a little disappointed about just because we've already played those teams multiple times uh, uh, pretty frequently. So, um, But th- those are always really good matchups as well. So overall, this is going to be a fun schedule. Quickly before we go to break here, four 10 a.m. starts, five separate road trips to the Eastern time zone. Any concern there? Absolutely. Are you concerned, Curtis? It sounds like you might be more concerned about waking up at yes, 8 a.m. Yes, I'm more concerned about the 10 a.m. starts than Are I Are there am. any concerns, pause, about my Yeah, about my schedule. schedule. Like, am I going to be able to I stay up concerned. past 11 o'clock on a Saturday night? Like, probably not. Yeah. Why would I ever do that in the first place, though? No. Got to get to bed by 10. Uh, how much does travel... Way in really is it? A, well, is we've, it a, we've got that's a football what I'm player asking here. Jake Curtis, <laughs> it, 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 it does. It, it actually does weigh in. Uh, it's a big factor into this. And actually, if you just look at the Oakland Raiders trip in London, you can see uh, how big of an advantage handling traveling can do for you. You had the Seahawks, who I believe handled it first class all the way. They they really prepared for it, and then you had John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders. Uh, not really take it very seriously in terms of giving much credence to that travel. And not only did they get their butts whooped, but you could just see that the Seahawks were ready for the moment. The Oakland Raiders weren't. Uh, and, and so anytime that you're traveling to the East Coast, 10 a.m. time frame, that's a, that's a tough task to ask for a team, especially against some of these opponents who are very, very legitimate. Which game are you looking forward to the most? Text it in, Coors Light text line, 710-710. But up next, it's time for another edition of Four Down Territory. To get an A grade in your book, which position would you want the Seahawks to draft first? We answer that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heap, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. This this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got big D, D, D. Starting off the 8 o'clock hour here on Seattle Sports at Night with a little four-down territory. Four opportunities to get seven on the board. A couple of texts coming in from the Coors Light text line, though, on which games they're looking forward to the most. 2-5-3 says the Ravens game has me the most excited. We interested to see Earl back against the Seahawks. And then the, another 2-5-3 says I'm looking forward to Thursday night against the Rams. I think national TV is where Seattle shines. So Fair. A lot of interesting games on the schedule. 
Stacy weighing in with her take there. I mean, just, you know. Yeah. You want me to shoot you down like I did last night? Go ahead. Go for it, Curtis. No. <laughs> Let's get to first down. Number one. First down territory. First down in four down territory, I should say. For an A grade in your book, which position would you want the Seahawks to draft first? Let's go to Jake on this one. To me, this is really simple. Uh, for a long time, I, I thought there was drafts that you could go into and you could debate you know, certain positions. To me, this is defensive line all the way. Uh, I, for A grade, for me, is if they were able to get a really, really good quality pass rusher uh, in their draft or a really strong uh, run stuffer. Uh, I think that that's where they need this this the most, um, and especially when you talk about Frank Clark and where his future is with the Seahawks, that is a great unknown. And if you lose out on Frank Clark, let's just say you end up trading Frank Clark, your number one pass rusher at that point becomes Cassius Marsh. So th- that is a big hole to fill for those guys. They don't have an elite pass rusher outside of Frank Clark. I know you're relying on Jacob Martin and uh, some of these other guys to step up and, and fill some of the void, but none of those guys are ready to uh, take up the mantle of number one like Frank Clark was able to do with the departure of Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. Stacy, which position would you want the Seahawks to draft first to get an A grade in your book? You know, again, I'm going to go with the defensive line. I'm going to I'm going to lean towards a pass rusher, a defensive end. Um, I just think it's not. Uh, I've, I've mentioned this before, but a couple years ago, uh, John Schneider was criticized for not taking an O-lineman early. Um, and he was asked about it. Why didn't you do this? And he said, well, I didn't think it was an especially deep class. I didn't have any tackles you know, way up high on my board. So it's not often um, that your top need as a team lines up with just how deep the class is, especially when you don't have a lot of picks. So um, I think that they, they need the, to address the position, and it's the perfect year for them to do it. Number two. Second down, Seahawks. They got a lot of mantras in that building. You got I'm in, win forever. We were debating whether it was mantra or mantra. Mantra or mantra. I'm a mantra guy. You're okay, a mantra. We'll stick with mantra. I, I, I will disagree with you just because this is radio. I think it's mantra. That's or why mantra. Does that Sorry, mantra. I, mantra. Jake. See, you got Ooh. me all messed up, Curtis. I don't believe it's mantra. I believe it's mantra. Because we've got to bring down the patriarch, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to create a mantra for the Seahawks to revisit while they head into this draft, which one are you choosing? Stacy? let's start off with you here. All right. I was inspired by Jake's response, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the that one to him. So so he's got a good one for this. But I'm going to stick with uh, just kind of a don't get cute attitude. Mm. It's not a very serious one. It's definitely tongue in cheek. But I think that this team for, for a long time, especially in 2013, 14, heading into 15, had a lot of depth. Uh, so much depth they had to cut guys that ended up being starters on other teams. And I think when you have that kind of depth, when you have a, um, a lot of picks, when you have guys on rookie salaries, when you have a lot of flexibility, um, you can take risks. You can get guys that you think have a high ceiling but uh, maybe don't check all your boxes. You can get guys and uh, switch them to a different position. Obviously, that's worked recently with Trey Flowers switching from safety to corner, but I'm talking more of like the offensive line kind yeah. of projects. I think that this is the year that you really need to uh, you, you can't really do that anymore. You just don't have the depth to to not address things head on. Right. You can't at this point in time. You can't miss. Right. right. Like that. I think that's the big thing. And so for me, uh, looking at this, and John Schneider is going to try and get at least two more draft picks. Uh, I, I don't know how he's going to get it done, 
Uh, but you would think that they would much rather uh, have six picks rather than four. And, and I know that's kind of the attitude that they'll have in this. But if they only have four and even with six, it's not uh, as many as you would like to have. Uh, it's got to be quality over quantity, right? Quality of players. And so you have to be very, very poignant with exactly who you want and what needs are need to be filled. And so where I'm expecting them to draft is defensive line. I'm expecting them to go after a receiver. And I think they're going to do it maybe a little earlier than people suspect. And also in the secondary, those three positions are absolute needs. And if you want to get looking into the future, getting a legitimate offensive lineman at some point in particular, either the tackle or guard position, because you have to look towards the future uh, of that of that actual offensive line, because uh, you're going to have to let some guys go at some point in time. Number three. Third down, time to pick up some big yardage before fourth down coming up with Russell Wilson's new contract in hand. Should the offense change from its run-first philosophy? Yes. $64,000 question. I have heard this a lot since the the signing has been made, and I've also heard the clamoring of this uh, all season long, especially on Seahawks Twitter. It goes nuts for it. Uh, and, uh, you know, Stacy and I were talking to Meenam Kimes when we were filling mm-hmm. in for John Clayton, and that's kind of the, the overall sentiment with this thing. You are still going to be a run-first oriented team here. Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer are not going to change their philosophy, but the biggest thing that they have to do is to is be adaptable going into each game and be willing to put the ball in number three's hands because you've not only paid him the money, but he has shown that he is playing at the elite part of his game right now and is only going to continue to get better. Uh, and, and through the last couple years, because Russell Wilson is so efficient, he protects the ball so well, it's exactly why he is the perfect marriage with Pete Carroll. Their His game, Pete's philosophy, they mesh well together. And what I would hope to see is that you get a few more pass attempts, but you don't completely change the philosophy because you have arguably the best play-action pass quarterback in Russell Wilson. No, I agree. I, th- I think it's a bit misguided to think that if you have a run-first offense or a strong running game, you, sh- you don't need an elite quarterback. You don't need a top-tier quarterback. You absolutely do. And uh, I, the Seahawks, again, were the only team to uh, pass on less than 50% of plays last year. Um, I think it was around 46, 47. But if I had to guess, I would guess that they want that to be closer to 50, potentially even above 50. They're never going to be a pass-first team. They're never going to be a pass-heavy team. Um, but I think they'd certainly like to, to utilize uh, Wilson more. And, and Pete Carroll has said it before on our shows. He told Brock and Sock, uh, he would have loved to use Jerron Brown more. He said he would love to refine the offense a little bit and that they've learned plenty. And I think that that Dallas game, uh, as much as fans didn't enjoy seeing it, I'm sure it was a bit of a lesson for the offense For sure, as well. and you're going to see evolution from that point on. Number four. Russell Wilson's been extended. Frank Clark's been franchise tagged. Yeah, this is breaking <laughs> news. Russell Wilson has agreed to a contract extension. But... Wilson's been extended. Frank Clark has been franchise tagged. Bobby Wagner, the last guy with a deal coming up here in the end of 2019. So what could Bobby Wagner be asking for in a contract extension? And is he worth what he thinks he's worth? He absolutely is worth what he thinks he's worth. I mean, Bobby Wagner is on track to be a future Hall of Famer. It's not even a question. Uh, His production has been... Uh, second to none, and I would uh, and I would say that this was his best season this last year. Not because necessarily statistically, I would say it's because of the 
amount of uh, movement that was next to him. He has always had K.J. Wright next to him playing side-by-side side and having that uh, security blanket, knowing the guy who's playing next to you. And, and they he, ran with two linebackers a they, couple times. Yeah, they did. So he played He played with K.J., he played with uh, Kendricks, and he played with Calitro. So uh, a variety of different guys and still played at an extremely elite level. Uh, he is con- uh, as consistent as it gets. And so the contract that you have to look at here for Bobby Wagner is C.J. Mosley from uh, the signing with the New York Jets. So you're going to be looking at that kind of money. Uh, Bobby's going to probably be wanting 18 mil, 18 and a half, somewhere in that range. Uh, and to me, I think this is more about, kind of like we were talking about with Russell Wilson, this is more about guarantees than anything else. That's kind of the new wave of the players right now, is wanting as much guaranteed money as possible. Bobby, in his last contract, did not get a big percentage of his contract guaranteed last time around. So I think that's kind of what the the real sticking point will be for Bobby coming up on this third contract. That is four down territory here on Seattle Sports at night. A bunch of texts coming in on the Coors Light text line from the 707. You guys rock. Can you shout out the 707, please? Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out 707. There it is. Uh, also, uh, someone with their draft grade, what would get them uh, an A pick? With theirs, the 509 says, my f- preferred draft pick is trade down, trade down, trade down, trade down. Four, all caps. Four times, all caps, <laughs> all exclamation points. Do you think their preferred points. move is to trade down? Gonna have to wait and see on that. Five oh nine, please confirm. Yeah, <laughs> could you make it a little more obvious? Five oh nine. I think there's about a ninety five percent chance that they trade strong, down. strong chance. That's a strong chance. And uh, from what we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, Jake's the guy on on all sorts of on all sorts of stuff with the Seahawks. How shocked will you be if we're sitting there day one and you hear the pick is in for Seahawks? I will be extremely shocked. But if that happens, that tells me that they found a legitimate player that they feel that they just simply Someone they could think, not like, this pass could be an all-pro. Absolutely. So, to me, I will be excited, but I am fully anticipating them trading down maybe even twice. Would the most shocking thing ever be the Seahawks trading up in the first round? Yes. <laughs> like, if they yeah. go to, like, yeah. pick number seven or something, <laughs> they, that would they, be mind-blowing. They, uh, they go from four picks to two. All of that a sudden, be, you're just... Man, they're well, all in. <laughs> rookie camp and the draft uh, picks there are just two guys. <laughs> Hey, what's up, man? Just hey, here for the meeting. Yeah, they might. If that's the case, they might even call this arm to come back in just to get some get some work in. I understand this is about now. It's just Jake. Jake wanting to get that (laughs) last. I mean, it's that contract. I mean, Paxton Lynch is the only thing standing in between Jake and Russell. That's right. right Bring it. it I think I could take him. Bring it on. If you need just someone to. Well, that would definitely be a good. Yeah, that was that would definitely be a good David and Goliath standpoint from a standpoint. It's kind of an underdog story. It is. And don't sports people love that? They absolutely pulls do. Pulls at our heartstrings. It would be a, a Disney like script if Stacy Rost beats Paxton Lynch <laughs> out for the backup quarterback job in twenty nineteen. I'm here for it. Same. It would give this show an even bigger boost. That's <laughs> the thing. I'd right the, now, Jake's I'd be the here only quarterback. I'd be the only non quarterback here. Yeah. Uh, now uh, now I'm chopped liver. So I got to get going. I Are you already worried about having two athletes in the room? Man, I mean, between your 10th place <laughs> swimming ribbon and Jake's career, <laughs> like, man, I feel outnumbered here. 
Coming up next, the Mariners, they've dropped six in a row after the greatest start in franchise history. Which team is it? Which team are they? Is it this team that has lost six in a row, or is it the team that got off to such a blistering start? Or maybe it's somewhere in the middle. We answer that question next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Eves, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.